Okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. Say again, please. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. Hi, and welcome to the We've Got a Problem podcast. I'm Andrew Wallace, where each week we explore inspiring stories of struggle, success, and solutions to prevalent problems and how our guests have turned problems into opportunities. Today, I'm joined by Randy Roberts. She's an executive and career life coach who helps her clients unlock their highest potential by recapturing the fire in their careers and helps them turn challenges into new opportunities, guided by her 30 years in the corporate world. Randy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Andrew. I'm glad to be here with you. I'm so glad to have you. So every coach comes at their kind of process from a different way. Everybody's come at this with a different story. Everybody's walked a different path. And I love hearing, I mean, from the get-go, we always think, oh, coaches are coaches. Everybody's got different experience they bring to the coaching process. What is your background? How did you get your start? What brought you to being the awesome coach that you now are? Yeah. Every coach is different, absolutely, and every process is different, and every experience with every client is different, which is what I love about this. But my story is my first career was in pharmaceuticals, so I did everything from carrying a sales bag, actually right in your neighborhood in the San Fernando Valley. Um, There you go. And worked my way up through a couple of big pharma companies up to having some pretty big jobs. I ran a billion-dollar business in the U.S. for one of the biggest companies there is um, and did that pharma for a total of about 30 years and loved it, loved it so much. Like, I know that one of the things about me is I have to do some good while I'm doing well. Yep. And that sounds really grandiose. It's just meaningful to me. And it has been satisfied in different ways at different times in my life. One of the things that I loved about my pharma career is that industry does good. Yes. Like the intended use of our products extends people's lives, makes them healthier, makes families healthier, all those things. So I really um, was motivated by that. It really lit me up. Until one day it didn't. <laughs> you know, I went from jumping out of bed in the morning before the alarm to hitting the snooze button. And I really had to look at what was going on with that. And, you know, number of twists and turns led me to my second career now, building my own executive coaching business. Um, and I'm really happy to say I love my second career every bit as much as I loved my first career. I consider myself very lucky. So I bring all of that to the work that I do with clients in terms of knowing what that experience is like to climb the corporate ladder, succeed and stub my toes at times, deal with the good and the bad, get to a point where it's just no longer doing it for me. It just doesn't fit the way it used to and have to figure out what's next. So it's been a great ride for me. And I bring all of that to benefit my my patients. My goodness, my clients. (laughs) Hey, they could be patients in some some <laughs> form or fashion. It's more like they're trying to have patients. <laughs> yes. Well, aren't we all? But part of the so part of the question then becomes for me, okay, this is a common experience that people get to a certain stage in their career and for various reasons, they it, it no longer does it for them. What 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 used to get them jazzed and energized to, like you say, jump out of bed, sip the coffee, run to work, do the thing. Now, now long, no longer does it. Part of it is, okay, those things kind of happen slowly over time. And one day you wake up and you go, I, I didn't realize it, but 
I, I went off track, you know, eight years ago was when this started to, to diverge. Now, what do I do? And that's yeah. the question, like, okay, first of all, well, I have many questions, but first of all is, okay, how, how, how do I handle this? What, what are the first steps to do when faced with that kind of mental crisis? Like, yeah, how, how do I? I think the question you're asking is so important and you'd be surprised how many people find themselves saying, wait a minute, this thing started to make itself known to me a while ago and I just had head down working towards the goal, didn't really pay attention. The thing to know is it's never too late. Right. There will have been benefits. Something that's happened over that time will have served you and, and we'll figure that out. I think the place to start, if you're in that something isn't doing it for me, I'm not what used to excite me is now exhausting me. Mm -hmm. The way to start figuring out that out really is the inner work. The answer is not outside. The answer is inside. And so it helps to be willing to dig in a little bit. And a lot of times, you know, I didn't expect it to be this way. When I first went into executive coaching, I thought somehow it was going to be different. But where I very often start with clients is doing a values assessment. I was just going to say, how do where values it, factor into this? Because it seems like that's the big thing from, from yeah. my observation is yeah. when people get disconnected from their values or their values have changed. Exactly. Because we are different now than we were that eight years ago when things may have started to go off track in your example. So understanding what our values are now. And I think a values assessment is a great exercise to do every two years or so mm -hmm. because we change. Our, our priorities change. Our core values don't change usually, but the priority of things and our needs and what's on our radar screen may change. Yes. You know, now I'm in a phase of life where I work for myself. I can be a lot more in control of my own destiny. I'm an empty nester, which I love and recommend. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm in a very different phase of my life than I right. was when I was doing a crazy corporate job, traveling all the time and trying to be a mom and do those things. Right. So good to revisit that stuff. So that's a great place to start. And oftentimes, it's very hard to do that yourself. And look, I'm a huge proponent of coaching. And I used to hold back on that because it felt self-serving. But the truth is, Andrew, I do not talk about the benefit of coaching because I'm a coach. I am a coach because I know what kind of transformation working with a coach can bring. Well, and yeah. I'm not helping if I don't talk about it. Right. And that's, and okay. So, so many people, I think, and this is me, me making broad generalizations, but I think so many people who could use a coach don't think they need one. Yeah. That, that, that people who could most benefit don't know that they, that it would, that it would help, that it matters, that, that they desperately need it. And part of those questions then become, what are the things, how can coaching help? But what are the things that coaching can do that you can't do by yourself? Like yeah. you say, that values assessment, those kinds of things. What else? Yeah. I, a lot. Because sometimes the magic is in just talking things through to someone who understands the world that you're talking about and can ask the right questions and can help hold a mirror up, can help connect the dots, can just help you have a different perspective. And that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong if you're trying to do this on your own. Good for you for taking it on. But I can tell you, like the way I think about coaching is Together, we can put your foot on the gas and get you there that much more quickly. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a lifetime investment. 
Right. Sometimes it's it's six months of working together. A lot can change, and then clients are ready to take a break. Um, the thing is, the risk is so minimal. I say, if somebody's thinking about it, give it a shot. Now, there's other ways to do it. Sometimes you have a mentor. Sometimes you have a, a coworker or whatever that can provide a lot of help. So I don't want to discount that. But every one of those people that sort of has a seat at your board of director table has a, has an agenda in a way. In a way that a coach doesn't like a mentor when I used to mentor a lot of people when I was in corporate and and I loved it and I found it very rewarding. But I can't say that I went into it pure because if I was impressed with that person, I might want to get them in my organization. Yeah. So I had a little bit of an agenda that might work in their favor, too, but it wasn't purely about them. And that's where a coach can come in. My agenda is I got no skin in the game which decision a client makes yeah. as long as it's, it's the right decision for them. Right. And that's, I think, so So many people, again, broad generalizations here, but so many people go, well, I've got a great friend group or I've got a great mentor or I've got whatever, but it's very difficult to remove that that sense of some skin in the game, right? As uh, your friends, they want you to be happy, but they're also bringing their own emotions and how they feel and their lens into to all these things. And they're not necessarily the best people, whether you're talking about people to give you therapy or, or, or answers to questions or all those things. They're not the best people always to, to do it because they know things that perhaps they shouldn't and they have some agenda. And their agenda might be in some way selfish. I, I want to have more time with you. So mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, you should you don't take that position. Don't do this. And I'm going to start forcing things upon you. Whereas a coach with no agenda other than to help you do what you said you wanted to do, <laughs> right? Exactly. I'm here to make this possible, how to make this possible. Yes, yes, yes. So yep. I, I interrupted you early on about what your coaching process was like. That you say you start with the values assessment. I want yeah. to know a little bit more. What what else? Tell me more about your process. Well, one of the next things to do often is to like assuming probably the most common situation I have is that somebody comes to me that has a job. Sometimes people come to me that are already in transition. That that work is a little different, but not that different. A lot of times it's important to dig into what isn't working anymore about their current situation. And likewise, that can help identify what is working. Yes. Because my perspective is if we're not clear on what the problem is, we don't know if we're solving for the right thing. <laughs> and a lot of times you'll take the problem with you. Yep. So let's get clear on that. And the best time to do that is before you're feeling it's an urgent need to go. Because a lot of times I have a lot of clients that come to me that don't end up changing jobs or companies. They may just end up making some changes right where they are. And, and that's important because I don't want people to think like companies will hire me to work with their people. They wouldn't hire me if they thought they were hiring me to coach their people out. Right. That's not the assumption that we make. What we, the assumption we make is if we get to the bottom of what's not fitting right and what is, we can solve the right problem. And if that's right where you are, that's great. There's a lot of reasons to stay. You may have equity. You've built long-term relationships, all those things. So if you can fix things right where you are, that's great. Um, and if not, then we see what else is out there. Yeah. Well, and so, I mean, look, Career transitions, even when you've just been promoted within the same company, 
right? Everything's a transition. Everything's something new showing up. And you, every- nothing may have changed for you. You might have a new boss. Right. That could be the transition. Sure. But any of those things become prickly. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and we know that they are. But why is it? <laughs> why do they have to be so complicated? Why, why, why do they bring up so many hurdles? Why, why so many chances to, to fail and reassess and reevaluate and just start to, to feel that decide? What is it that makes these things so challenging? Well, I think for most of us, human nature is to keep things in stasis, to resist change at least a little bit, because we get into habits and we we have ways of doing things that once you establish it, it's easier to stay in that lane. Mm -hmm. And something changes that gets forced on us and you have to think about it differently and if to flex different muscles and that may not feel good. Now, there are people that love change for the sake of change and you know, good that's for them. something else. Right. But that's, that's something, something else. else. That's we exactly. need we might need to have a conversation about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think that's at the heart of it. And so, you know, the first thing I would say is I would hope people aren't too hard on themselves over that because it's just human nature. We're humans. It's easier to keep going doing what you're doing. But if you can embrace the opportunity in what may be different, even if it's hard. Like then at least you're going to get something out of it. If you got to go through the hard stuff, at least get something out of it. Right. Right. For so sure. That's like I'm all about that in my own life with my clients. I mean, just last night I was, I met with a client and she was talking about a really tough situation that truly was out of her control. And I just said to her, you know, the question I'm about to ask you, what's the opportunity in this for you? And it was a leadership opportunity. It often is, but that's, the commitment that she has to herself that I have to her, which is you got to go through this crap. I hope that I'm allowed to say that on you your are, show. You are. You got to go sure. through this crap. You might as well get something out of it. So let's figure out what that is. Yes. Yes. And okay. So every episode of this podcast, I end by saying we don't have a problem. We've got an opportunity. And yeah. that's the the reframing. Just that alone is Okay. How can we look at this as an opportunity? How can we see this not as a problem, not as an issue, not as the end of the world or some big piece of change that we don't like? Because as we've said, humans don't like change. It just we're wired that way. How can we see this as an opportunity, a way to grow, a learning opportunity? It's just some way to 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 turn it into a positive. We never yeah. would have had this chance. Now we do. What can we do with this? Now, yeah. I, I I just finished, and the, the I think the previous episode of this podcast will be on my review of the the new biography of Elon Musk by Walter Isaacson that just came out. Yeah, yeah he occurred to me during this conversation. Yes, right. So, so I mean, there's so much to talk about, and I do want to get your thoughts. But one of the things that that came up about priorities when you're talking about how your priorities might shift over time and how your values, your core values might not change. But for a lot of the people who go to work for Musk at Tesla or SpaceX or whatever, they're young, they're fresh out. Their biggest priority is establishing themselves, getting established, becoming that, that person. And so, yeah, they'll be hardcore as, as Musk puts it. They'll, they'll work for 11 months living out of a suitcase, seven days a week at the factory, all that, because they're 26 and they, they're trying to, mm-hmm. again, establish themselves. But after a couple of years of that, especially after they start making some money because they've got stock options and all this stuff, 
your priorities start to shift as you as as family starts to matter, as you start to prioritize things that you haven't gotten, time with your family, all that. And to Musk, that that becomes a liability. And we can talk about, you know, that kind of management style and all those kinds of things. But his the, the, when you become a little less hungry, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It means that your priorities have shifted and now you want a little more work-life balance. And to yeah. not judge yourself so much for those, for those things, to say it's human nature to have your priorities shift. That's natural. Now what are we going to do with that? Right. Accepting a what do we do with. with, with exactly. Exactly. And and I think if those priorities don't shift, you're going to become a very unhealthy, unbalanced. I will even say unsatisfied person at the end. Um, and what's interesting is what I'm seeing in, you know, I'll say younger folks like the 26 year olds that you're talking about are people that are right out of either college or grad school. They are they're smarter than I think we were. As oh, for I sure. was for sure early no, on they're... in understanding the need for that balance. And so it's yeah. interesting to see. I have no doubt that Elon Musk is going to be able to, you know, fill the slots at X or whatever Twitter's called now and, you know, all those places. But there's, there are a lot of people that would run screaming from him right now. I think more people than used to. So it's interesting to see that sort of. I'll call it a generational shift. I'm not sure if that's really what it is, but I, I and, but that is it. There, there are people who have have started to understand the importance, I suppose, earlier on of what matters to them, and that's that's kind of the boundaries discussion that we all should be having with whole parts of our lives. Let's say of what am I willing to tolerate? What do I want? What do, what what are what are my priorities? What will I stand for? What will I not? Where's the wall? Where's the boundary? Where are the edges of the sandbox? Because if I say, you know what? I've watched my parents go through their life work for 45 years at the same company. Then they got laid off and, and there's no loyalty and all this. So why should I kill myself for somebody that's not loyal back to me? I want to have work-life balance. I'm going to make that a priority. I want whatever, diversity, equity, inclusion, whatever matters to you mm-hmm. to say these things matter to me. Those are the top priorities, and I want to find a company that supports those things. Great. The fact that you're honest with that and not running away from those values, which is, I think, where a lot of discontentment comes from when there's a, a disconnect between what matters and, and, and what's happening. Uh, yeah, that, that can be huge. Yeah. I mean, how can people become energized by their work? Okay, we're, we're, we don't want to leave. We're, 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 we're having a good time. We're looking at things as, op- as opportunities. We've had new opportunities presented, but we're just – we've lost that fire. We've lost that, that, that gust go to jump out of bed. You've said we don't have to make a change, but how can we – what are some tips and tricks for, for, for getting re-energized by – by the day. I can't make the change yet, right? I'm stuck here. I got to stay with this job. I, I can't leave. I, I need to and make the best of it. And that's real. That's real for a lot of people. Yeah. No question. No question. So where, where I think you start is digging in a little bit to what's working and what isn't. Yeah. And in fact, I have done that work so many times with so many clients that I developed a tool um, to help as a good starting place. And it's available free on my website. So your listeners are, are welcome to go get it. Um, and that it's, my website is randyrobertscoaching.com. And if you go to the fulfilling career, happy life section, the resources are there. It's a career satisfaction assessment free. It's there for you. 
And I developed that as a good starting place for people to figure out what's working and what isn't. And and I just discuss eight pillars of career satisfaction based on everything I've read and everything I've learned. And again, people can just take themselves through it and rate where are they on a satisfaction scale on each of those eight pillars. And patterns will start to emerge. They may see some things that are working really well for them. For example, the leadership of their company may be something that works really well for them, but they may be finding that they're really low on the balance scale, say. Yes. Um, and as they identify what those things are, then I would say the place to start, if those things are, if some of the stuff is working for you, or if you're in a position where changing jobs isn't an option, then the question becomes, if, if balance is the issue, for example, how can I improve this? How, you know, if we're going on a scale of one to 10 and you're down on the low side, say you assess yourself as a three on balance, it's not a matter of how can I go from a three to a 10? <laughs> it's a matter. How can I go from a three to a five? Right. What can I do to move the needle a little bit in the right direction so that my whole perspective, my situation changes and I feel more in control? Yes. So it's not that complicated, but you need a tool or you need help or you need something like just a system for how to start thinking about it, because then you take it into away from the drama of, oh, my God, I'm unhappy into the data of what's wrong and what can I do about it? I mean, part of it for me is because I went to business school and I have a business background. I like things I can quantify. Right. If you can, so me if you can measure it, you can manage it. Yeah, exactly. So I took this into a world of something you can quantify. And that makes it easier for a lot of the people that I coach for the most part are in the business world, are leaders and, and usually have leaders. So taking it to something that you can quantify makes you feel more in control, makes you feel more. Yeah. All right. What are the steps I can take to to move the needle? Yes, yes. And that's, I think, the, the, the idea of key performance indicators, right? Not just let me have the awareness of what's going on, which is the first step, right? Your first step is awareness because we don't even know what it is, right? Let's assess this. Let's figure out where we are. Okay, yeah. we're at a two. We have 10. This is definitely something we need to address. Now, what are the key performance indicators that are going to help me make progress on that? How would I measure that? What would I, what would I say is, is, in a sense, a degree of success here? What am I looking for? How do I want to increase it? And knowing those things, especially for people in the business world who deal with that stuff every day, or at least should be, and let we can get into a whole nother discussion over whether people actually do what they're supposed to do, or probably should in the sense that would, would help them achieve what they've said they wanted to do. But once you set yourself down that path, now we can manage it. Now we can quantify it. Now we can move forward and, and make a change. And, and all the energy around it shifts. It goes from being this amorphous cloud that you're carrying around to a specific thing that you can name, that you can address. Usually, sometimes you can't. But even if you can't move the needle on it, having a perspective on it and having a little bit more clarity on it right there shifts the energy around it. And it no longer blocks you to the same extent. Yes, 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 yes. So all that being said... Who would you say is your ideal client? Who who's who's just got to call Randy Roberts right now? She's she's the one. Go get her. She's perfect for me. Who's who's your ideal client? 
Look, my ideal client is somebody usually in a corporation because I have that experience. It's somebody with who's in a leadership role and either has that feeling of I'm not as excited as I used to be or maybe has just taken on a new level of responsibility and is feeling uh I would use other words if I wasn't on a podcast, but they're feeling like holy smokes, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> right? Right. And We've all had those moments. So I think those are some times. But in general, what I would say is if a lot of people think that seeking help, seeking a coach is something you do when something monumental is happening. I I have to, I got laid off, whatever. I would say the time to touch base with a coach is when you have the thought, hmm, should I talk to a coach? Right. Not right. Not when the fit hits the shan. You want to. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And most coaches will do. I mean, my business model is based on the first session is a free session. We talk about what coaching is and isn't. We talk about their situation. We see if we're right for each other. If we are, I might invite them to become a client. If not, I might help them find the right coach for them because I'm, I'm one, I, I am really good at this based on the the changes I've seen in my clients, but I am one person. There's a lot of coaches out there. And I would encourage people that if if you have a meeting with somebody that doesn't feel right, talk to somebody else. I Clients will come to me and they'll want to hire me. And I'll even say to them, are you sure you don't want to talk to a couple other coaches first? Right. Like I want what's best for you. Right. And I want this to be a good fit for both of us, really, totally. because this is a relationship. And we're yeah. if we're going to be working together, we're going to be working together closely. And we're mm-hmm. going to be getting into some things. And if I'm not the right person for you, let's find you the right person. Because, again, it's about you. It's not exactly. about... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And there have been times when I've had that, not many, but uh, there have been times when I've had that meeting and... Either I can't clearly see the work we could do together that would help them achieve their goal, or the cl- potential client and I may have a values mismatch. Mm-hmm. And and it's not someone that it sparks me to work with. And then we wish each other well, and it's not even a, a discussion of whether we should work together or not. Right. It has to go both ways. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So everybody should get a coach. Call Randy Roberts right now. But- <laughs> There's a couple of questions I like to ask everybody on this podcast before we go. All right. So the first of which, and these can be very broad or specific to your individual niche. What do you feel like is the biggest fallacy that everybody buys into? What's horribly overrated? Well, I think the biggest fallacy is I've got all this stuff going on and I'm the only one that's ever been through this. And I have the luxury of seeing sort of across a bandwidth and seeing, you know, long term some of my clients. And I can guarantee you, whatever you're experiencing, as unique as you may be, you are not the only one who's ever experienced this. And that's one of the reasons that talking it through with somebody can help you get out of your own head and get a different perspective on it. And whatever it is, you're not, this isn't your fault. There's something that's just not working. Right. And right. and if there's a problem, there's a solution. Right. And 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 to take the judgment away from it in a sense that it's like yeah. this is not good or bad. Let's let's move beyond that. This is what are we going to do about it? Like how can we how yeah. can we go? And, and the one thing I can say is ignoring it is almost never the answer. Because <laughs> once once something becomes known, you can't unknow it. And and it's really interesting, Andrew, because there's this dynamic that happens 
sometimes it's discussing an issue with a client, but a lot of times it presents itself to me pretty powerfully when a potential new client comes in for that complimentary session. Uh And what I'll tell them is now that you've talked this through, because they'll say, I haven't talked this through with anybody in this way. This is so clear to me now, whatever. And I'll say to them, look, let me give you a heads up. Now that you're more in touch with the problem, it's going to hurt more. It's going to be more present for you because because you're more clear on it. So just be aware that once you start poking that bruise, it hurts more (laughs) and ignoring it isn't going to be an option. Yep. Yep. And Hey, look, I mean, this is, you know, advice one-on-one is like, once you know that it exists, don't just paint over it because it's going to be a problem. (laughs) Yeah. You you can't, if, if, if just putting paper towels down is not going to stop the plumbing from leaking. I, I just, just oh, you've tried that too. I have. It does not work. It does yes. not work. It's not effective. So on the other side of that, what do you think the most underrated concept is? What do you think people are overlooking? What are we missing? I think sometimes the solution is, I guess I'll say less complicated than we think it might be. It might be in front of us, you know, and a lot of times we're the, we're the thing getting in our own way. And the great news about that is if you're what's in the way, you can get out of the way. You just have to figure out how. Most of the time, the answer is within us. Yes, 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 yes. Randy, that's awesome. Thanks again for joining me. Folks, if you want to know more about Randy, you can find her on LinkedIn, YouTube, and her website, randyrobertscoaching.com. That's R-A-N-D-I, robertscoaching.com. You can also download her career satisfaction assessment. Links to everything are in the description as always. And until next time, we don't have a problem. We've got an opportunity. <laughs>